This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With Dr. Uphuse, recommended to me by Dr. Peter McCullough. And Dr. McCullough has my, uh, kind of has carte blanche with me. He has never once recommended a bad guest and he has never once done anything to make me regret, 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 regret having him on. Clearly I'm a professional, know how to pronounce my R's. And, uh, so talking about uh, Dr. McCullough said that I should focus uh, with uh, on um, early treatment and vax failures with you. But before we get into any of that, please introduce yourself, my man. Yeah, my name is Dr. Michael Uphuse, a board-certified family physician. Um, I did my, my undergraduate and graduate work at University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana. Then went to Midwestern University in Chicago and then a family practice residency at the University of Illinois, Chicago. And then uh, I spent a good portion of my first part of my career, 20 years on the Fort Peck Indian Reservation in Northeast Montana. And at the same time, then began a private practice called Caduceus Medical Partners back in 07. And uh, around 2012, I was able to go pretty much full-time with uh, Caduceus, although I still worked on the reservation and still occasionally do clinics up there as well. So uh, we're certified in family medicine. Certified in clinical hypnotherapy from the Hypnotherapy Training Institute. Certified personal training um, through Supless Training Systems. And I'm also the medical director for YouthfulMD.com. We do a lot of men's and women's health with bioidentical hormone replacement, sexual health, weight loss, pain management, skin care, things like that. You know, I hate when I get introduced to guys like you and I realize I have no excuse for any of my own shortcomings. Like, guys are so accomplished like you. I'm like... I've been doing it a while, man. (laughs) That doesn't happen in a day. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, yeah, I get you. Um, This is over about three decades worth of, you know, you you know, I I saw so many docs stop learning. Like, after they uh, finish medical school, they keep going to the same conferences every year expecting to really add to their toolkit and it doesn't add to them at all. So... You really have to step outside of that. I did a lot of training with American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, Age Management Medical Group, those obsidogenics guys out of Vegas. So going to functional and integrative medicine conferences are like going to medical. It's like going to medical school again. Yeah. So that's where I've really kind of focused my my training now with with folks like that. Well, man, that, that well that, that there might, I think there's two other podcasts that we need to do. I think the Indian Reservation would be cool to talk about. But yeah, I mean anti-aging, like biogerontology, like I was obsessed with that in high school. And like Ray Kurzweil, right, taking like 200 supplements a day, like resveratrol, right. alpha lipoic acid, acetyl carnitine, glute, all the injections and stuff and trying to put, you know, you have your chronological age and then your biological age and uh I love I always loved that stuff and uh I feel like we're going to start to see Kind of a side note. I kind of I feel like we're got, we're about to see like humanity like diverge into a new species where like the the hyper wealthy and this isn't some like critic critique of it. I, I think it's awesome that people can get that wealthy, but I feel like we're going to start to see guys like Musk and Bezos sort of. I mean, maybe even biologically start to drift, like the amount of like um, longevity, you know, not just supplements, like take some fish oil and some whatever, phosphatidylserine, 
like if they could actually start going in and getting like you know actual genetic manipulations of their health or like even nanotechnology we might start to kind of branch into another species like one that just i don't know just eliminate all wear and tear i mean yeah well that's that's the whole goal of functional medicine you know it's to hold people at their functional best hopefully indefinitely i mean that's the goal yeah so and that's what we concentrate on a lot of that has to do as you know with telomere length you want to keep those telomeres yeah. uh you know as long as you can for as long as possible yeah and then isn't it like uh and i know we're completely drifting from covid but i'm uh, sorry so it's, it's a it's refreshing really yeah okay yeah man i'm man i'm fine with drifting from covid i've, I've talked to so many physicians about it and i haven't I'm now thinking about it. I've interviewed just about like everyone and every topic I wanted from guys that worked in you know, nuclear missile silos to pilots to snipers to, you know, EMTs to, you know, weightlifters. I've realized I've never for something that I was so obsessed with for so long. Uh, I've never actually talked to anyone about biogen. I was a biology major in college. I got in a medical school, got in a pharmacy school, decided that's not what I wanted to do. But even then in, in, in college, you know, I was... I would rarely drink every day. It was always sleep eight hours, always work out, always meditate. And then, yeah, even then I was, you know, taking like, you know, extra like sulforaphane from broccoli and turmeric and uh, alpha GPC and all these things that I always thought would be cool. Like how much could I like slow down the aging process? Just because we always have this, you know, well, once you get to 40, you're just, you start to get older. And I remember thinking like, I mean, this might not be the case in a hundred years, like, you know, 80 year olds might look like 40 year olds. And the idea that we just get older, like, no, just in the same way that old cars don't just rust and fall apart. They do if you don't care for them. But if you, you know, like a, like a, like a mint condition model T or something where they're going in every year and replacing every little chrome piece and running it. And well, I mean, they run, they run perfectly as long as you keep updating or not updating them, but keeping them kind of up to snuff why yeah, can't maintenance, they, yeah. maintenance that's what yes. it comes down to and you know and that's why those models of functional and integrated medicine models come down to precision-based medicine so yeah. you precision make a plan for every patient because we're all different genetically we're all different you know epigenetically we are so uh that can that can certainly be manipulated a lot of it does involve again bioidentical hormone replacement things like that people just say well 40 that's just part of the normal aging process no. well not necessarily not at all i mean not not if you can hold people at their functional best by modulating physiologic levels of hormones indefinitely yeah a hundred percent i mean look at guys like a like a like a joe rogan like sure he's been exercising his whole life he's also wealthy but like that's a guy who's just pushing it every day right I mean, Absolutely. I don't think there's any reason why we have to kind of like, like, so after, after college, I, I, I lost my older brother to suicide, like a couple months after I graduated. And I went from like perfect condition, exercise every day to just drinking, doing drugs, really just spiraled downwards and just, you know, like a true healthy way. Instead of doing therapy, I just drank and ate McDonald's. And then, you know, after like several years of that and really kind of falling apart, I kind of resigned myself to like a couple of years ago. I was like, well, you know. You know, I kind of stopped the drinking, stopped the eating. And I was like, but, you know, I'm older now. And maybe this is just I'm not going to be in peak condition. And I came to that realization when I was 28. And and I was like, as time went by, I was like, that's I think that's kind of bullshit. Like, maybe I just need to cut the calories and get back in the gym. And then I've become good friends with them. But a guy that's been on here like 100 times, Dale Comstock, the youngest ever member of Delta Force. Dale's like 55 
and could beat the shit out of me. <laughs> and like, yeah. I look at that and I'm like, there's a guy that just decided he's like, I'm not growing old. There's a guy that just hits it every day. And right. I don't, yeah, I don't think the idea that oh, you just get older. It's just the way the cookie crumbles. Like, I don't think so. I mean, I think there's a ton of science behind it and it's, it's a lot more complicated than, you know, lubing up a model T right. With hundred trillion cells all working in synchronization. But like, I don't, why does it have to be that, you know, why does a, why does an amputee or why does a wound on a battlefield have to equal sepsis and death? Like, why can't we get penicillin? Why can't we have the antiseptic technique? How come man will never fly? Like, well, forever it was that way. And now you can just hop on a 747 for what, like a couple hundred bucks. I think these things that we've reserved as truths are very quickly going to fall apart. The idea of even death or an aging. I just, I don't yeah, know. The super, well, it comes down to the superstition of yesterday may become a scientific reality of today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you see that going? Mate? Let's, we'll uh, do it. Let's do it. No, I, I do. I mean, I, I look up until I'm 54 now, but up until just a couple of years ago, I was running a dozen Spartan races a year. And what got in the way, I wound up having to get a hip replacement because I was training like a beast four times a day. So, I mean, I was training like, crazy four times so i was doing like insanity in the morning p90x at night long run during the day one or two hot yoga sessions a day i just beat the crap out of myself yeah so you know i found out yeah there's a limit i mean it caught up to me sure. but um so just getting back into it but i mean i was in i was shredded in my late 40s i mean yeah and uh still still in decent shape but i mean i, I want to get back to that level but i know there are limits, man. Right? You got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> Four times a day of plyometrics, you know, plyometrics, just that constant pounding just took its toll on my joints. I mean, I'm a total ectomorph, so I got tiny joints and um, that much training repetitively month after month and cycle after cycle, I just beat myself to a pulp. Yeah. So I had to an edge back after yeah. the replacement, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that. yeah, that can definitely happen. I mean, yeah, I look back and like, I always remember, I think that like the proudest moment of like, my physical fitness was my senior year on spring break. And I remember we saw like one of the football players from UGA, you know, it's they're like celebrities there. And I remember like he, ever, and we were just pissed drunk on the beach in Panama city. And I've, I don't pay attention to any sports like ever. Right. And I remember all my friends were like, they're so-and-so. And like, I didn't recognize, I remember he came up to me and started talking to me cause he thought I was like a red shirt freshman. Cause he thought I was going to be like, and that was like the biggest compliment to my physique and I was like, no, man, I'm a senior. Like, I'm about to graduate. I'm going to medical school. But I remember that was like, and then I've always looked back and be like, well, maybe that's just yesteryear. And yes, at 31 as opposed to 21, I find I have to diet a lot harder to lose weight. I can't just get shit-faced on Friday and then work out six days a week. I'm like, you know, if I have pizza one week, like one weekend, it's going to take me like two weeks to kind of get back down to whatever my previous weight was. So I can already see my own limited experience that, the body does slow down, but I'm also realizing like so much of it is just your own mental resignation versus like, how bad do you want? And versus, you know, yet yeah, sure you get a hip replacement. Like that's a, that's a bigger kind of wrench in the system, but so much of it is like, are you resigning yourself to like, well, I guess I'm just old now versus like, are you sure that's not an excuse? Like, you know, yeah, that's just giving up. That's just totally giving up. And you yeah. look at some of the guys coming back from overseas, amputees and so forth, they're, they're in races. And they, those guys are super inspiring. I saw those guys in some of the Spartan races I ran. It was amazing to be alongside those guys. I mean, you talk about guts, my God. Yeah. There's like no quit in guys like that. Yeah. One of the guys I've had on here, Sebastian, uh, I can never pronounce his last name, 
but he's like two years younger than me and lost his arm in Iraq. And he's, he's got this whole, you know, uh, prosthetic, this like aluminum prosthetic. But every day there's posting videos on Instagram and it, it's him working out and he'll take the arm off. And, you know, he's just, he's kind of got like the remnants of his like deltoid and he'll just take straps and hook on weights to that. And he'll just be doing flat. Yeah, these guys, yeah. super inspiring, super inspiring, man. Yeah. And I see that and I'm like, what the hell is my excuse? I'm like, oh, I've got a little bit of a belly. And I'm like, this guy is just like, he doesn't have an arm and he's just screw it. Let's do it. And I'm like, Jesus. But do you think now, is it going to start like, running away in one direction right i mean how how do i word this um like how like it's like how much do you want to go you know like my dad had like a tr6 sports car for like i i don't know like 10 years maybe more and it was like nice and just a nice little kind of you know revving it up and stuff versus like a jay leno right who can really flesh it out into getting any car he wants has like a whole hangar full are we going to start seeing more like you get an Xbox and it's just kind of like, yeah, it's just the run of the mill. You'll pick it up from Walmart versus like a $10,000 like wraparound monitor gaming system for people who like that's their bread and butter. Are, are we going to see that with like biogerontology? Are we going to see a guy like me who maybe takes a handful of supplements a day versus like someone that has billions of dollars and couldn't, you know, hire a whole fleet of doctors to take care of them? Do you think we're going to start to see? Yeah, kind of you know, some away? of these guys. Yeah, these guys, and, and they're already doing it. I have a buddy who goes out to, like, he's in Vegas, but goes to California, and he's doing uh, PRP stem cell injections for folks like that. But again, that's those are people with like an open checkbook, so they can afford it. You yeah. Know? Do you think, but I mean, how how are we at? Because isn't it like uh, with Ray Kurzweil, I think he called it like the escape velocity, where it's like if you can stay alive long enough to where they add like a year of lifespan for every year you're alive or something it's you can kind of hit that escape velocity to where yeah already at the conferences we're talking about having you know people living to 150 being you know physiologically still at the peak yeah not it's pretty amazing to think about yeah yeah and that's yeah that's the other thing is like you said like peak functionality that doesn't mean pushing it to 120 but you've been in bed since 80 like no right. like living a life that at the risk of of you know getting dark like a life worth living right as opposed to just physiologically it, uh, yeah it comes yeah it comes down to having a, a functional it's not just existing it's yes. living at a highly functional level yeah what it's really about do you think the first person to like push 150 do you think they're alive right now they may be so what they suggest some of these uh some of the precision-based medical conferences we go to yeah especially if you get your you know get your um genes tested and so forth and we can precision you know manipulate that to hold you at your physiologic best it's possible do you think bezos is just going to push like 500 years or something i don't know i don't know if he's going to be methuselah or not but guys like that with unlimited resources that's what right? i mean yeah, i wouldn't be surprised anymore that's what I these mean. guys have unlimited resources Oh, yeah. I mean, as of today, Sunday, October 31st, 2021, Elon Musk is sitting at 300 billion. I mean, in the same way that it's like uh, if you had unlimited resources, you could build any plane you want. And then, you know, you're at a Groom Lake in Nevada and the Department of Defense is like, well, just how much do you need? You know, we right. want this plane to be invisible. And you're like, oh, we we really do have. An, OK, sure. Yeah. Two billion dollars a piece. We'll do it. How You know, we want 10 of them. 
okay like let's you know yeah no problem yeah b2 spirit stuff like all right well if this is what you really want let's do it i feel like that's what's gonna do you think now you know kurzweil always talked about like the three bridges and like the first was like supplements the second was what was i think the first was supplements and the second was genetics and then i think the third well maybe it was four bridges third might have been stem cell and like uh organ regeneration and then the fourth was like nanotechnology are we going to see a jump from just, you know, talking about editing genes to where it's no longer you have to have this cocktail of all the supplements and the injections and the IV drips to where you could actually start to go in like those freak cows will the, where they're like they'll turn off like the genes that hold on to fat and they'll turn on like the the muscle growth ones that are active when we're like infants and you kind of just see those, you know, Sylvester Stallone looking cows. Yeah, that's what they're talking about, you know, manipulating these things to, you know, to a teeth precisely. Yeah. And um, if if we if you want to get to COVID, we can go back to that. I'm I'm kind of enjoying I'm kind of enjoying talking about this. But uh, anytime, man, whatever. All right. Um, Are you glad you didn't go to medical school? Um, it's difficult to pinpoint. I really did thoroughly enjoy. But I mean, truly, I had more fun studying organic chemistry than I did going to football games. I mean, it's I truly loved it. Um. I don't think it's what I wanted at the time. Um, I'm glad I turned it down. I'm very, it's, it's the thing I'm most proud of that I got in. I scored in the top 4% on the MCAT. I published toxicology research, but I think I felt I had to explore more. And, um, and then, you know, it didn't help losing a brother to suicide a couple months later, but I really did. It really did allow me to, I had this feeling that <clears throat> that I got into med- medical school and I remember like the day I took the MCAT and I came home uh, like back to the apartment in Athens, Georgia. And it was like all my friends had just graduated like a couple weeks prior. I had an extra semester to do. And I remember I came back like new I aced. It just felt it in my bones. And I came back and I was like, it's time to like party. And there was just like no one in the apartment. And there was this feeling of like, am I going to blink my eyes and be like, I'm retiring from being a physician. It's time to party. And like everyone I know is dead. And I just had this, like this existential moment of dread. And I remember reading a Maya Angelou, Maya Angelou quote that said, uh, there's no greater agony than bearing an untold story. And I was like, is this what I really want? Is this what I want? Or is this what I think I wanted? You know, I was, I had always been a, a terrible student throughout like all my life. So I kind of got my act together. I was very proud of that. I wanted to be a doctor. I, I wanted the, the societal status of it. I wanted to know that I did it. Like I, you know, I did this thing. I had a girlfriend. I was like, this is maybe what I picture as like an ideal life versus is this what I really truly want? And there was something like, it, it was never good enough to get a 90 on a test. I wanted to get a 99 there was something in the back of my mind that was just like, what could I, if I can get into medical school, like what else could I do? Like how far could I go? And I, I mean, I took a leap of faith, man. I kind of jumped into the void. My life fell apart. I moved home to my parents' house in 2016, you know, no social life, no nothing. Taught myself graphic design for several years. Got very good at that. And in December, 2019 started this podcast and I really feel like I've hit my stride with it. And 
so in this sense that it's sort of started to work out, like I'm, I'm making enough money to at least live in an apartment. I get to talk to whoever I want about anything, right? I don't have a boss that's like, all right, here's Dr. Upuse and we really want to stick to COVID, you know, we, two minutes in and fuck it, we're going to talk about biogerontology and anti-aging. Which like, is fine. Yeah, which is whatever. Like, so in that sense, I don't regret it because I went, you know, I took my winnings and then I went back to the table and put it all on red and it worked out. I think if you ran this simulation a thousand times, 999 times, I'd be saying, I really wish I went to medical school because this didn't pan out. It's interesting. It's interesting, but you followed your, you know, you really followed your gut on it. And man, you know, no one can take that away from you. The The thing is, if I, you know, knowing the system now, yeah, if I was a pre-med student, I wouldn't go. Not if I knew the system. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Not now. I mean, back when I got into it, it was still great. And I worked on an Indian reservation, which meant you do what you have to do yeah. for your patients. Because anyone on any given day, you're in a, only a 12-bed hospital in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. They can come in with anything from multiple car rollover, a gunshot, a knifing, um, or just an earache. But you're on for it. And you can't just send them down the hall to your local orthopedic surgeon or trauma surgeon. You're, you're it. You're the trauma team. You and two nurses. So it really pushes you outside of your comfort zone, which is exactly why I went. Because the reason I went into medicine was my pediatrician as a kid. So he would come to your house. He'd come out on a Sunday, put you on the kitchen table, examine you, write a prescription, and yeah. it was five bucks, you know, or something yeah. like that. But I wanted to be like him. And so that's, that's why I got into it. And then I knew through some of my elective rotations, going to these austere environments, like I, I went up to Barrow, Alaska, right in the Arctic Ocean. Um, Indian reservations. And that really pushes you way outside your comfort zone and forces you to learn like on the spot. And what's amazing is what goes right. I mean, almost nothing goes wrong, to be honest with you, because, you know, you rely on common sense, intuition, and of course, your training. And you have to trust in that. And that's what I liked about it. But, you know, going into like a large hospital organization now, I, I can't even conceive of it. Because as we're seeing with this COVID the administration, the higher-ups call the shots. I mean, they basically tell you how to practice. I just wouldn't thrive there. I'd be gone in like five seconds. Yeah. Yeah, it's my uh, my godfather, uh, uh, Tom, and my, my uncle, Court. Uh, Court was an orthopedic surgeon, and Tom uh, went to Duke. Uh, I think he was a pathologist and uh, worked with the Red Cross for a while, He and he worked in uh, Jackson Memorial like the intake for all the helicopters, like the organ transplants and stuff. And, you know, I talked to both of them and both of them were very like helpful and like, you know, kind of egging me along. And, you know, where I was like, I, you know, I feel like I'm not going to get in, you know, they were very like, you know, work harder, work harder. But I remember they didn't come to me. And I remember I went to both of them like the summer that I took the MCAT. And I was like, I need to like ask you about like cold feet about medical school. And these are two guys that I don't think ever met each other, different sides of the family. And um, I remember they both kind of asked, they're like, well, what do you have cold feet about? Is it that you don't want to be a doctor or that you're not sure about medical school? And when I'd start to answer, they both, I mean, it's kind of weird how they both knew it. Maybe, the, I don't know, maybe it's some like unwritten code, but they were like, that's a true question. The very fact that the answer to do you have cold feet isn't an automatic no shows that this isn't for you. It doesn't mean that you can't do it. Like no one's saying that you can't. But this isn't something where 
you can kind of dabble, right? I did, I taught myself graphic design. Then when I decided I didn't want to do it anymore, I just kind of let it fizzle and, you know, whatever. They're like, this isn't that. Like you, all the guys we knew, like when they were able to retire, they didn't retire because this is what they loved. This is what they wanted to do. And I remember my uncle Tom told me if he knew what he knew now, and this was in 2013, he would not become a doctor. And my uncle Court told me he was in kind of a smaller area in a smaller hospital. He was like, I love what I do. I could never work anywhere else in any big hospital. And I couldn't, I just couldn't go back and do it right now. And those were two guys that only once they only surrendered it. Once I asked them for it, they were never like, don't do it, kid. You know, they were, right. but they both said basically what you're saying. They were like, yeah, no. we, we all did. We all did say the same thing. Really. It's interesting to, yeah, because when I went, like I knew as a kid, I wanted to do it. So yeah. When I went, I was all in. I mean, after high school, it was 13 years straight. Boom. Yeah. No stop. And, you know, there was, I didn't even think twice. Yeah. But now, now, seeing how the systems are and how big these hospital, you know, corporations have become and big pharma involved in it and the government involved in it, I I couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, I feel it's like... It's kind of shameful. I mean, when you meet guys like Dr. McCullough uh, and folks that have been on these front lines, Pierre Corey and Dr. Merrick, uh, the research that they have done and the research that they've come up with showing 64 studies for the use of ivermectin, 259 studies for the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine. If my colleagues are too damn lazy to do the reading um, and they're being dictated to and they're cowering to someone who's got an MBA above them, then it's shameful and they ought to be out of the profession yeah. because we've got enough information right now where no doctor should be denying people prevention or early intervention it's just completely ridiculous at this point and really shame on them and they're a bunch of goddamn jellyfish that'll be ashamed of themselves it's i i legitimately think we are living through a historical moment and not in the sense that it's a pandemic sure you know not in the sense of anyone who could have said you know september 12th 2001 i think this is a historical moment it's no shit right. i think what we're seeing with the as Dr. McCullough says, the sort of trans where it's like, what are you doing? How are you treating people? And it's like sending them home until they come back blue in the lips. And it's like, what are you, what are you talking? It's kind of what you're saying about the Indian reservation. Dr. McCullough is like, you have your training, like you've made the cut, like you're a doctor. It's okay to pat yourself on the back. You're a doctor. You're an intelligent guy. You have your training. How are you going to go about this? You know, how, are, the thing I always point to is like, um, I've had on Bing West, who wrote the personal biography for General Mattis, uh, Call Sign Chaos. And he talks about the importance of everyone under you knowing what the mission is. So if the mission is, say, take Baghdad, sure, we have our plan. Hey, y'all are going to go across the bridge. You guys are paratrooping in. You guys are going to, well, there's no water, but pretend there's an ocean. You guys are going to do an amphibious thing. You all know the mission. So when eventually you come across some impassable barrier, maybe there's any aircraft you can't parachute in, maybe the bridges are blown up, whatever. You don't stop and go, well, there's no bridge, so I guess we're going to, no, you improvise. You go, all right, get the rafts, exactly. take a board. Okay, we're doing, because everyone knows what the end goal is. The end goal is, is we have to take Baghdad, right? Water falling down a waterfall. If you block part of it off, it's the water's not like, well, I guess we don't know what to do. No, it just follows gravity and it goes down. Dr. McCullough kind of it makes me think of Mattis in that you know what your end goal is, right? Do no harm. You 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 have your education, you have your MD, you have your residency, your fellowship, whatever. And you're looking at, you have the symptoms, right? Just take blood pressure. Let's look at the eyes, the ears. 
Now go with it. Now this is admittedly, sure, no one knows what this is. Is it a bioweapon? Is it, who knows? Yeah, I get that. I'll grant that. It's, it's scary. You don't know what's going on. But you don't, you don't just freeze and not know what to do. You, you just take it and you move forward. And if you're writing the rules as you go, well, then you're writing the rules as you go. And, you know, sure, maybe you kill a patient, but it's like we're in a pandemic. We got to figure out how this thing's fixed. How to, we don't just go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. No, you, you, you improvise and you adapt and you cure whatever it is that's in front of you. And to me, the idea that you just send people home and then not only that, the idea that the widespread suppression of generic drugs that have been used for decades and billions of people by a handful of big tech companies and well, you know, I guess it would be conspiracy if you could follow the money and there's four vaccines and they're making money record breaking quarters. I mean, you see the smoke, you can feel the heat. You're, it's not, you don't need to wear a tinfoil hat to go, you know, I reckon there's some fire over there. Like we're <laughs> yeah, seeing what's going absolutely. on. It, it's, it's, it is, you know, the whole 17,129 deaths on the various, like that's bad enough. The much bigger story is the widespread suppression. I mean, this is, I, I, I've said it with Dr. McCall and Dr. F this is war. This is crimes against humanity. Like, I think we're living through what will be looked back as like Nuremberg 2.0. I, I agree with you 100%. I was at a conference recently, about 75 docs there, and there was a terrible lecture on COVID, terrible. And so I stood up after and said, who in this room is prescribing hydroxychloroquine minimum? Not one hand. And that's when I said, it's shameful. You're guilty against crimes against humanity. You are a bunch of jellyfish pussies, and you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Well, I did. That ought to be ashamed. And they all have their heads down there as I walk past them. Wimps. I mean, to the core. You've got, we have therapeutics we know are working, and it's shameful. I had a, a patient, same treatment, even, we're 20 months into this. A patient on Friday went to a large hospital organization in Billings, Montana, Short of breath, oxygen saturation is dropping. They gave her dexamethasone and oxygen. Okay, go home. I'm thinking, that's it? That's it. Double pneumonia, no, no antibiotic, no anything. No zithromancy. I mean, that's just almost a knee jerk. You know, even if it is viral, like you could have a superimposed bacterial infection. You don't know. But I mean, dexamethasone and oxygen. See you later. Well, she said, that's an point with me. I put her on eight more medications. Eight. Just heard from her today. She's turning the corner. I mean, it works. We know it works. How many times do I have to see this? You know? It just blows me away every day. The, the lack of treatment. It's like, go home and die. It's, that's what we're seeing. Is we're, I mean, we're seeing the true colors of people where you're, they're caving to, I don't want to be the doctor that prescribes that, you know, if, if they've, they, and they've somehow found a way to politicize uh antiviral drugs right i don't want to prescribe that far right and it's what are you talking about it's a it, it's, I, it's, I an an it's an it's an anti-article on it today you're yeah. absolutely right i saw an article it said it said the far left or far right groups you know people that are doctors that are far right prescribe this medicine. i'm thinking wow this has nothing to do with a political affiliation it has to do with going over the data and simply prescribing it for a patient in need. That's all it comes down to. Nothing to do with politics. Nothing. It it is so mind boggling. I mean, you know, apolitical. That's apolitical. It's a medical issue. Yeah. You, you want to talk just the medical part of this? That's all I did. Went over the data, read it, used my common sense, and implement. That's it. Yeah. Nothing to do with politics. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's Jesus. I mean, it's like the atomic bomb. It doesn't matter if it's the communists or the Americans who figure it out. It's like, dude, we if we we have the enriched uranium, when we know when it collapses, there's an explosion. It's not like, well, that you know, those fascists. It's like it's physics. That's what it is. Is <laughs> yeah, it's physics, exactly. all right? This isn't, hey, I'm a white guy with blue eyes with an American flag. You know what this water is? It's H2O. This isn't far-right water. This isn't This isn't fascist hydration. No, no, it's H2O from a sink. Like, that's what it is. And, you know, I, I look at, um, you know, it's like this. Like, so, I, you know, I told you I made this podcast December 12th, 2019 is when I started. And literally above my parents' garage when I started on a laptop and it's gone through many evolutions. And now I'm finally in my own apartment at age That's 31 awesome. and it's it's grown and it's developed. But this is something where, you know, when I first started getting suspensions for talking about COVID with doctors, it was only with, you know, if they suspended me because I went on some rant about how COVID is some Illuminati plan by lizard people. Yeah, sure, I get it. Whatever, it's your platform. And you're like, this kid's unhinged. What? Personally, I don't agree with it. Free speech, but it's also a private company. But I would only talk about COVID or the only episodes that would get suspended are when I had on physicians. And I was like, well, this is, well, I'm talking to the doctors, right? And they kept, I'd get a suspension here, a suspension there. And I finally was like, you know, this isn't something where I was a successful established podcaster and I could fall on my sword, but it really didn't have any weight because I was already set and, you know, had money. Like this is me still living in a tiny 700 square foot apartment. And I have like half my room cordoned off with like moving blankets and sound tiles. And I mean, it looks like it looks like I'm building bombs in here. There's literally a maintenance guy in here like two weeks ago. And I think I think they didn't know I was here. And they walked by this room, and one was like, "I think a serial killer lives here." And I was like, "Hey, <laughs> it's a podcast studio." <laughs> I'm like, but uh, you know, I look at that, and so this is something where it's like, it, as it was still a tiny little like fire, you know, in a rainstorm, and I'm protecting it. I very quickly came to this like, am I going to stop uploading these interviews because YouTube's censoring me and kicking me off and telling me if I do this again, I'm off for good. And to me, it was my moment of like, no, I'm not a doctor. I'm not prescribing like antivirals. But I was like, if I don't stand for this now, then I'm then I'm never going to stand for this. I'll always be making excuses. I'll have to go. I have to get to a million subscribers. I have to get to a billion. And so I kind of just went in knowing that I was going to get suspended. And you know, as I interviewed Dr. Malone, and Dr. Fareed and Dr. McCullough and all these guys, and I kept getting suspensions and finally booted off. And yeah. It's kicked my podcast in the balls. Now I'm on Rumble and BitChute and people don't even can't even find it. And they're like, you know, why aren't you on YouTube? And I'm like, I got kicked off for interviewing a doctor. And it sucks. And I've lost 99% of my viewership. And I'm having to build this thing back up from the ground. But it's something that I can, much like you said, you know, I, I listen to my gut. And that's something no one can take away from me. This is something no one can take away from me. And it's it's one thing, politics, sure, whatever, you know, what it's whatever. When in my gut, I have these doctors saying these are crimes against humanity. This is, you know, there's a wide, this is a, a coordinated conspiracy to suppress uh, generic medication so these companies can make billions in profit. And when I knew in my gut, like, hey, this is what's happening. And it's not me and my friends hitting bongs going, is this a conspiracy? It's the most published doctors in the world. It's Dr. Robert Malone, the invent, talking about this. Yeah, I, I, I'm proud that, and no one can take that away from me. That I was like, "Fuck this! I'm not, I'm not bending the knee. I'm not, I'm gonna start censoring myself. I'm gonna get kicked off YouTube. And that sucks." And I've lost guests since then because all they see is, you know, I send them a hyperlink and they're like, "This, this channel's been terminated." 
they don't want to be associated with me. They probably think I'm up here using racial slurs or something, and it sucks. But, man, just like you walking around calling these guys spineless pussies, like, at least I know what I stand for. And when eventually it does come out in months or years or decades, everything that's going on in 2020 and 2021, and every media company that's been complicit, every, you know, Sanjay Gupta going, it's a horse medication, what are you doing? You know what, at least I can stand here. You know, it's like that picture of all those, like, Nazis saluting, and there's one with his arms crossed, and it's like, yeah. be that guy. You know what? At least I know that in my heart, in my heart, I was that guy. I said, fuck it. No, I'm going to say what I know is true, which is why I'll continue to interview doctors such as yourself. I don't really know where we're going now, but. Well, no, I'll tell you, but, I mean, Rogan really called out Gupta, and that's yeah. the thing. It's like, it's, what, I, what I've been stunned about this whole time is, it's like, who are the only docs you can interview? Like, Gupta and Fauci? What, what about the docs that are actually doing this shit? Yeah. I mean, interview us. I've, I've seen 4,000 people this last year. Hello. Yeah. You know, how many does Fauci see? Yeah. Probably 40 years ago, he saw somebody. I mean, I don't know what this guy's history is. He's, he's a nut job, though. He's, and not only that, I mean, the, the head buried in the sand mentality where, like, I'll post, you know, just because just because I like stirring the pot, you know, I'll, I'll get on Facebook or Instagram and just post a picture of, like, the Varys data every Friday. No comment. I won't say any comment. I'll just post it and just see what happens. And, right. you know, people flipping out and this is safe and effective. And I'll just say, like, well, Dr. Malone said this. And they'll be like, says who? What did Snope say? And I'll be like, I don't know what Snope said, but I can. Here is a two-hour and three-minute interview of yours truly talking to Dr. Robert Malone. What does he know about it? Well, he invented it. Well, just because he invented it doesn't, quote, just because he invented it does not mean he's an expert on it. It's shocking. I mean, how can someone say something like that? This is what we're seeing, though. It's yeah. stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Post an interview with McCullough. And they're like, well, who's this guy? Did he invent it? I'm like, no, he's the most published cardiologist in world history. And they're like, what does this have to do with the vaccine? I'm like, myocard. What? What do you mean? What does this have to do? It's, it's stunning to me. It's, well, what did Anthony Fauci say? I don't know. Fauci won't respond to my emails. Like, I don't know what to tell you. But I can show you what Sanjay said, and Rogan ran circles around him. Yeah, what Fauci, yeah, what Fauci said, Senator Paul, you did not know what you are talking about. Yeah, yeah. We, well, yeah. Rand Paul is completely punching holes in the guy. Like, he needed to have punch, holes punched in. The guy's he's, he's off the charts. Yeah. He did fund gain-of-function research through EcoHealth Alliance. To the Wuhan lab, we know he did. It's indisputable, and the guy ought to be hanging down in Gitmo, as far as I'm concerned. No, he should be. He should be. And it's not until, you know, I think maybe some people, I think the veil maybe started to crack last week when it turns out that he was funding that research where they debarked those beagles and would put oh, them in those. The guys, sand crazy. flies crazy eating their stuff. faces alive like that. Crazy. You know, I had. Uh, it's just that is one thing where you post that and they're like, what's the point of posting this? And I'm like, well, if the guy that's supposedly in charge of our health, our, our public health, Absolutely. is funding the debarking, removing their cords so that the researchers didn't have to hear the dogs barking as they had their faces eaten down to the bone by sand flies. Jesus. Listen, man, if, if, it, if it's a Nazi, like I kind of expect the Nazis to do that. I'll be like, yeah, it's part of the course. But when it's the guy who's in, in charge of the entire public health, Something's not right there. Something's not right. And when the NIH comes out and says, no, you did, re you did research or fund research and gain a function, 
I mean, it's it's one of the things where I think a lot of people, and, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn, maybe I'm putting words in their mouth, I don't know. I am painting with a broad brush, but I think a lot of it is, is you almost don't want to conclude what it must mean, right? When you start to go profits, suppression of ivermectin, why are they doing it? Why did it won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2015? What it's been used all around the world for billions of people and what these companies, Moderna and Pfizer, are doubling in market cap. They're making billions of... It's all, It starts to... I always use this example. It's like when they liberated Ordruf, the first concentration camp they found. That's bad enough to see that it wasn't just a killing pit, that it was an actual whole system. Imagine the real hairs on their necks when they realized that this wasn't the only one. This wasn't even the biggest one by a long shot. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people, and I could be putting words in their mouth, I think that's what a lot of people might be. You're seeing the money motive, the suppression. It's Fareed McCullough saying 99% of the 700,000 deaths could have been avoided. I think there's a lot of it where people maybe don't, you see the sun and it's too bright. You're going, oh my God, this is yeah, they almost don't want. They almost don't want to believe it. But yeah. I mean, as I've said, my colleagues, gathering my family back in Chicago, um, you know, common sense is still available to all of us. You know, feel free to use it whenever you want. I mean, a guy who's who's in part of the NIH there and funding gain-of-function research to one of our enemies where they may be able to enhance whatever virus and then use it against us, that's not okay. Oh. Sorry. You're not getting a pass on this. You're not going to wiggle yourself. You're not going to wiggle your way out of it. And that's what Rand Paul put the screws to him, what you needed to be. He's not looking out of this one and he's going to keep getting flack. And it's guys like you and me, the small guys out here, but we're going to remain loud on this. I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to be shouted down. This guy's off the charts. He needs to be out of there. And he also needs to be held accountable for this. Yes. It, it, you basically gave the go ahead. You gave valuable knowledge on gain of function, making something more virulent to one of our enemies, which can then make a biological weapon. Because when he tries to dodge saying, well, I didn't, you know, we didn't fund this virus. Great, Tony, whatever. The fact is you gave money to the enemy and they now have, de have developed technology to have gain of function and, and develop more virulent viruses because of money that you funded with our tax paying money. This is how outrageous the whole thing is. Absolutely unconscionable. And the guy needs to be held accountable. Yeah, I mean, they might need to, I mean, what do they do to Ethel Rosenberg, right? When she's giving secrets to the Soviets, you give them the electric chair because you're giving, you're giving, well, I didn't give them that hydrogen bomb. But you showed them how to do it. It's, I know. especially with the Chinese, I mean, I've brought it up ad nauseum. You know, I've interviewed Gordon Chang and Brigadier General Robert Spaulding. But I mean, them openly talking about in the, what, the late 90s, those two generals writing the whole unrestricted war for which I know I've been gone to ad nauseum on this podcast. But their whole thing about using biological warfare against the hegemon of the United States because they can't take us on bomb for bomb, tank for tank. We know that's a thing. I mean, I've interviewed Dr. Ken Albeck, the first deputy director of Biopreparat, the Soviet bioweapons program, defected the United States in 92. We know that this is a functional way of fighting an enemy that is much larger than you. Unit, unit 731 in Japan in World War II, right? Shiro Ishii, America is a machine society. What, you know, they can rebuild a tank, they can rebuild a plane. It takes them 18 years to rebuild a soldier. We know this is a thing. It's not something where it's a, you know, maybe you find a picture of a politician in blackface, or maybe they made, you know, here's a picture of them, you know, maybe getting a little too handsy with a, you know, a girl at a party. 
yeah, those are bad, but it's also kind of part. It's like, yeah, JFK did it. FDR had a like a had a uh, a mistress. I'm not saying any of it's right, but it's one of the things where it's like, hey, just just write it out, and everyone will forget. This is not that. This, this is, is not that. This is not that. This is not Biden making a gaffe. This isn't whatever. This isn't Obama saying keep your doctor. This isn't so. This isn't any of. This isn't Bush saying misunderestimated. Like, no. This is this is you funded gain of function research in the Wuhan lab where the coronavirus broke out from and killed 4 million people worldwide. And at least the United States, what haven't they estimated it's at $10 trillion in economic damage. This isn't something that you just wait for the next news cycle to go by. Yeah. And, and, and took down a world economy, you know, in, in the meantime, I'm glad we're talking about this. Quite frankly, um, Peter McCullough has been an amazing outspoken, you know, proponent for this side of things. Uh, so is Corey and Merrick. But one thing they've been very soft on are the docs. And you know what? I'm not. And I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if they like it or not, man. Yeah. Because they, this needs to be said. You know, guys like Fauci, they need to be flushed out. I don't know why docs are afraid to talk about it. You know, they're very cordial when it comes to it. I mean, when, when they were talking to Dr. Corey about why Facebook was taking it all down, he was gracious enough on the stand in front of the Senate to say, well, I'm sure Facebook was just protecting the public. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. I'm protecting anybody. Yeah. I know we know exactly what they're doing. What do you mean protecting yeah. the public? You can't talk about ivermectin on Facebook. You can't talk about hydroxychloroquine. They're protecting the public. Give me a break. Yeah. Give me a break. Asinine. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100 You know, I look at guys like McCall who's doing God's work. And, I, you know, I do. I look at McCall as someone who's just super focused on the treatment who knows maybe i'm just defending him but i am with you when i look at you know it's like nazi germany like you gotta unleash unleash Patton, right you gotta unleash the dogs of war and you gotta go and you do and you gotta take them down right and then once hitler's gone and the whole high command is defecting to the u.s you put a pin in it and you go we go we gotta go defeat the japanese now it's gonna take a couple more months right april 20th is when hitler april 30th whenever he shot himself all the way to august 9th second nagasaki What's that? Four, four months. You put a pin in it because there is a, still a bigger threat. There's the Imperial Japanese, but you don't just defeat Germany like you would other wars where you defeat someone, and you, not even World War One where you go in afterwards and make sure they can't build armaments. No, you go in and you go. Now what the fuck is this whole concentration camp system? Who right. abetted it? Who, who aided it? Yeah, and who's responsible? This isn't just to the victors go to the spoils. Uh-uh. You go in there and you hold the Nuremberg trials. I interviewed two Fridays ago, the days blur together, Richard Rhodes, right, author of Making of the Atomic Bomb, but he also wrote the book Masters of Death about the SS Einsatzgruppen, the precursors to the concentration camps, the mobile death squads, where the Germans would invade and a week or two later, the SS Einsatzgruppen would come in and fan out and they would bring all the Jews out of town. They'd dig a big trench. They'd turn them around. They called it sardine unpacking, where you pack them in like sardines and then get in right. shoes and where you shoot them in the neck and you lay them on top of each other and then you pour quicklime on them. Some of them still alive, so they're boiling alive. And then you dump the dirt over it. And the next day, as they said that there was like mini volcanoes as the earth swelled because there'd be 30,000 bodies, you know, decomposing, Jesus. right? And that's what they did. You don't just defeat the Germans like you defeat the Koreans or defeat the Vietnamese or you go in and go, who the fuck was responsible for this? 
and they're being held account and you hold trials in world court. And then if some Absolutely. of them get away like Eichmann, you send them Assad after them and you bring them. This isn't something where we just go, eh, war is hell. No, 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 no. This was something different. This was a coordinated train system with serial numbers and they incinerated Jews by the millions and gypsies and Sinti and Roma. This, I'm with you on this is, you know, I used to kind of always go after the vaccine story, the VARES. And then as I moved from that, I was like, there is a much, much bigger story here. And it's the suppression. VARES is bad, but it's also, you know, there's free will in that. If you want the vaccine, you can go get it. Now, granted, there's coercion and stuff with mandates. I'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole. But that's still something where, like, no one's physically putting in your arm if you don't want to. And so to an extent, as bad as VARES, and you look at the data and it's a spike, there's still something where it's like, that's your choice, right? You know, if I want, I can go, you know, if I really want, I could probably go get, get my hands on some pills. I could party tonight. I could take some Xanax and drink. Maybe I'll die, but right, I'm 31. Maybe I want to spin the wheel tonight and see what happens. There's an involuntary aspect when there's the coordinated suppression of these drugs that they know work and that they know there's a direct conflict of interest. If these are be, are able to be used then they cannot use the EUA. And it's not just that they're making record-breaking profits on the mRNA vaccine. They're also getting a free clinical trial on this new technology, on this new mRNA. They are salivating. They are getting a 15-year, three-phase, billion-dollar FDA trial. Not only are they getting it for less than they have to spend, not only is it free, they're getting paid for it, and it's being made mandatory. Their N sample size is $7 billion. There is such a conflict of interest here, and it's not something that we just go, well, maybe there's censorship. We know there's a consolidation, right? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat, Reddit, TikTok. There's a handful of things that everyone uses, there's that, which means there's only a handful of people that you have to coerce to say, oh, I don't know if you're one of the higher ups at Pfizer or Moderna. I mean, isn't the CEO, is it the CEO of Pfizer who's on the board of directors of Reuters, or is it the CEO of Reuters who's on the board? The guy in charge of the fact-checking thing, uh, false, people don't die from the vaccine, it's safe and effective. That guy is also, that. I mean, that's like Hitler being his own judge, at, granted, Hitler is dead. That'd be like if Eichmann was his own judge at the, at the trials in Israel. There is such a conflict of interest here that and I keep bringing it up when I talk to Fareed and I talk to McCullough and maybe to what you said earlier, they don't really bring up the doctors. I think they are so, and maybe I'm just defending them because I have become friends with them. I think they're so hyper-focused on early treatment and getting it out there. Maybe they're not looking at that. Maybe they're like a Patton or a, or a MacArthur. Maybe they're just looking at defeating the enemy, whereas the higher-ups were like, what's going on in Germany? Who knows? Maybe I'm just defending them. But I'm with you where I'm like, no, 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 no. What is going on? Because these people are not stupid. It's one thing if, it's one thing if we started last year, and I know I'm going on a rant, but it's one thing if we got last year and people are taking the vaccines, and now in 2021, we're looking back and we're going, well, now we know ivermectin works, and it'd be one thing if everything changed, and now they're rolling out ivermectin nationwide, and we'd go, hey, you know, we didn't know what this was, you know, and and we're making it better. That'd be one whole thing if we just went egg on our face. Turns out ivermectin works. We are all scared shitless. We don't know if this is a bioweapon. Okay, I'll give it to them. We're all trying our best, right? It's We're just trying to get through life every day. But when it's now been, like you said, 20 months into this, and they know it works, and you have to have Rogan just talking shit to Gupta 
honest podcast, when you have Malone being removed from LinkedIn, when you have Fareed's YouTube video uh, channel being removed, when you have the most published people in the world being systematically shut down, and then when me, just some dipshit with a microphone who's like, I'm going to interview this guy, and I get banned, there's a coordinated monster behind this. And people always love to use the, you know, they're so stupid. You know, if they had only known, these people aren't stupid. The heads, of, the heads of the SS and the SA, they weren't stupid. They knew what they were doing. The guys that were responsible for the 08 financial crisis, they weren't stupid. Calling them stupid removes all of their culpability for it. A stupid person is someone who slips on a banana peel like a comic. A malicious person, they were stupid. Why'd they kill all the Jews? No, 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 no. None of them went whoopsies. I guess I was just not paying attention. No, they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, coordinated effort. Coordinated effort that's carried out with military precision. I mean, you have to respect your enemy. They're demonic, but they run it well. No, these, these guys are actually quite brilliant. Yes. But brilliant in, in, in not a benevolent way. Yeah, but that's what I'm with you. Like, And I feel like no one's really, and who knows, maybe this is just me focusing on my own little ego bubble, but I feel like no one else is really bringing this up where it's like, they're like, not. Like they're record not. scratch, I mean, stop. They aren't. I, I've not heard one doctor really call out the other docs, and maybe it's because they're our colleagues, but you know what? I don't give a shit. Shame Fuck on them. them. Because re if every doctor in America was prescribing this widely, we would have had this wiped out last year. It would have been yeah. gone. Yeah. Hey, Mengele is a doctor, but you don't need to show him any professional courtesy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, I would, I'd like to think that Rogan is slowly, slowly dipping his feet more into it because he's you know rogan does a good job of playing dumb like a fox a lot of people think he's just a just a tatted up meathead and i'm not saying he's some he's some brilliant genius but he is also very good at just playing dumb and kind of bringing topics up to light that if otherwise you tried to bring him up to light they would just be censored but you know either talking to to you know gupta you know why are you guys lying why are you doing this you know citing these things like why are you like and then I think it was last week he was saying he was like he just kept going until he basically he had to admit he was lying. I loved he didn't let him I go. Loved he, I didn't, lo he did not let him go. He made him admit he was lying. I loved it. I loved the whole thing. Watching that five minute clip, I mean, it was kind of like watching porn. Like I liked it a little too much. <laughs> like he was just and watching watching Gupta squirm was. Fun. Well, I, was mean, I, I enjoyed it. I couldn't. I would pay money for that. I would pay per view that shit. But just. He was totally lying. He was, you know, I, I feel like we're going too fast. I feel like, no, 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 no. Hold on. We'll get to your other points in a second, Sanjay. Why did you lie about this? Why are you yeah. okay with it? Yeah, you and your network. Yes. And the network you work for. Yeah, well, I didn't know. Well, you're the medical guy. Shouldn't yeah, you? You're the guy. Yeah. It's, I mean, he finally, there's, and then you can finally, when he goes, look, Joe, I get it. It can be used. And he goes, no, it is often used. Is, is primarily used in humans. And and I and I, I couldn't I couldn't say which one it was, but it was like a week ago I saw a clip of Rogan, but he's kind of waltzing out this idea. Maybe it's slowly coming into the public eye. But he goes, if I could guess why they're why they're censoring everything about Ivermectin, it's it's not that they care. He goes, I think it might have to do something with the EUA and with the amount of money they're making. So it seems like Rogan's starting to slowly walk that idea out which i hope he does but it's i mean i feel i i feel like i'm kind of going insane when i'm like is no one else is is no one else like are we not going to talk about who's behind this 
Who's behind right. shutting down all conversation about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? There's 700. I mean, I looked it up the other day just to be sure. I think there was 415,000 U.S. deaths from World War II. We're at 700 right. plus, 800, uh, 800 plus. More than that. And these guys are making money off of it. What is going on? And this isn't, well, that was a pandemic and we just really didn't know what was going no, there needs to be trials. These people need to be fucking hung. They do. And I st- I look back to 1976. Remember, the swine flu vaccine yeah. got released. 26 deaths, they took it off the market. Yeah. We, we, we don't even know how many tens of thousands of deaths. And the response is, well, we can't really, we don't know that we can attribute it to the vaccine. Thinking, holy shit, people. How, how many is it going to take? You've got like 880,000 adverse events recorded right now. What's it going to take? You need a million and a half, two million, three. I mean, what's it going to take? It's just stunning to me. I don't know what it is. I mean, I feel like at this point, it's going to have to be some, some like pharma whistleblower, someone with like a, a crisis of conscience. Like, because it seems like the whole thing is just kind of getting buttoned up and, and swept into the rearview mirror. Well, they, you know, they approve five to 11 year olds now. It's like, it's like there's no end. There's no end to it. And man, another part of me is just like, we get what we fucking deserve. Like, if no one's going to talk about it, like, you know, if you give up, what, if you give up liberty for safety, you deserve neither. Right. I feel like that's where we are. If no one's going to question it. If we-, we are, but they, that's, that comes that, uh, that Reagan quote too, you know, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. And that's where I feel guys like McCullough and me and all these guys involved come in and they're like, well, you're willing to like risk your career and everything on this. I'm like, We'll take it right down to the Second Amendment if we have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's where I'm at. No, I mean, that's where I'm at. No, that's a, it's a it's. I mean, I remember when when Malone came on here. You know, I think there was like a maintenance guy, and I literally was like, I mean, I'm not even half sure if that's not like a Pfizer mercenary. And he was like, Well, well, you know, we're joking about it. I've accepted that. That I'm like, I mean, Malone hasn't even been on Rogan. I mean, there are there are times where I'm like. Do you know how easy it would be for them to just fucking shoot me? Do you know how fucking easy that would be? I mean, I'm friends with Delta Force guys. Like, why couldn't Pfizer get in touch with them? Why wouldn't they? If I'm getting in the way of their of their money. But no, that's where I am. Where I started this podcast because I wanted to make money like laughing and having fun. Which I which I am. I mean, I'm having a blast. I still talk to my friends, but like like I had no intentions of this becoming some COVID podcast. Like, no, no one, nothing about it was ever supposed to be that. Like, I want to talk about like the new Xbox and when Grand Theft Auto Six is going to come out. Like, you know, I'm not, you know, yeah, you could never have predicted it. I and I like, but there's a point where like, I can't, I can't not do this when I know in my gut that something bad is going on. When I know it like in my core and I can't look away from it to me. It's not even some like level of courageousness. It's so much as like, I, I will be kind of my Angelou, right? There's no greater agony than bearing an untold story. Part of me feels that where it's like in college, I experienced this with going, okay, I have to not go to medical school and kind of pave my own path. And it's been the most rewarding thing that I can ever describe to anyone. I, I can't put it into words, what it feels like to sort of take life on by myself and, well, not by myself, with the support of friends and family to get to where I am now. But there's like a flip side to the whole, there's no greater agony. Like, I don't think I could just do happy-go-lucky, silly podcasts 
knowing that like I'm in a position where sure I've only got a couple hundred subscribers, but like I've now developed like a database of guests who know each other, who are willing to come on. I now have the ability. I have a camera. I have a microphone. I have money to pay for rent. There's nothing stopping me from interviewing doctors. I don't think I would be able to, to sleep. I don't think I would be able to do other podcasts because deep down it's, it's like knowing you've got to study for a test tomorrow and you're laying around and you're like, maybe I'll get check my email first. And then you're like, maybe I'll go take a shit. Maybe I'll take a, I'll take a shower. And it's like deep down, you're like, dude, you got to hit the books. The test is tomorrow. <laughs> That's, I don't, I feel that in me where I'm like, I can't not do this. Like I'll, I'll twist and turn in my sleep if I don't do this. And I don't really know, man. I've been talking to you in the ground, but, uh, that's kind of where my head's at with all of this is I, I have I to agree. talk about it. No, for me, it's a, it's a very easy decision. And uh, what I remind people too is if you think we're too far from what's going on in Australia right now, think again. And what's separating us from what's going on in Australia is the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment. They, they, they haven't pushed us quite that far. What's been amazing, though, over the last couple of weeks, I've been churning out medical exemptions now for people because this is like the first time we've seen it. And it's because people's jobs are threatened. And I thought, Jesus Christ, people, it took till now. I mean, I was done with these morons a long time ago, long time ago. I mean, I didn't have to get a job threatened to, to get on the wagon here. I mean, I just, I couldn't believe it. Um, especially when pe- when they said, okay, we're going to roll out the vaccines. That's the answer to your freedom. We can go back to normal. And what do they do? Now put the mask back on. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. I am done. Yeah, because you will keep this going for the next thousand years if we let you. Yeah, and what's going to separate us out, and what it may come down to, is the Second Amendment. It's perfectly willing, to, perfectly willing to sacrifice. Because people are like, aren't you scared of that? No, no, I'm not scared of my job. I'm not scared of the Second Amendment having to use that. What I'm scared of is watching this country continue on the trajectory that it's currently on. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, that's terrifying to me. Well, and to now, me, st- standing up and standing this tyranny down. No. This, this agenda, in my mind, no longer advances. I'm already off the train. Yeah. So if it comes down to the Second Amendment, gladly die for the country because and what I believe in because it's worth fighting for. And for me, I, I kind of look at it as like, I don't, I don't want to live in whatever hellscape establishes from us not standing up. No. There's no there's, – it'd be one thing if like, hey, just stop talking about COVID and you can get a Joe Rogan contract and you can just go live your life. I'd be tempted to be like – yeah, fuck it. I live once. I'm just going to go take the money. There is no alternative. There's no there's no place where you just go, whatever, I'm going to leave America and go to and go to where? America is where you run to. And when right. it's happening here, there's nowhere else. You get to the top floor of the World Trade Center when it's on fire, there's nowhere else to go. And that's that's where my mind is right now. And because I have had trouble with the law on this podcast before, not even kidding, I'm not I'm not calling for violence. I'm not inciting violence. But the only thing that is keeping us from Australia is the Second Amendment. I mean, it's always yeah, been... No, no, we're not, we're not no, no, saying no, no. anything. Oh, no, I know that. We've got to remind people sometimes we have that right. Oh, no, and I'm not, I'm not, right. I'm not saying you are, but I've had, I have had pussies report this podcast to uh, federal authorities for less than this. So, but, no, it's at a certain point you have to go, whoa, 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 whoa what do I... What do I stand up? For? You know, it's it was always like the running, like, you know, kind of gimmick. Like, what? You think the government's going to take over if you give them your weapons? And, like, you say it and they're like, it's not going to happen. Do you see just how quickly 
countries fell into just fascism. How quickly Australia has just lockstep turned into a prison planet. Tommy, to watch to watch footage of a guy getting pinned to the sidewalk by four cops for not having a mask on, but it's we're almost there. Yeah. Yeah. It's in this it's the So to suggest you know, to suggest it's like it's you know, this is like going over the top talking about the Second Amendment separating us from that. It isn't. Oh no. That's it's, that's what's separating us. It's the only thing, as kind of the, the Marines have had on here, they always say about, you know, you know, people are what, you think you're going to beat the U.S. government? No, I don't. But as the Marines say, you don't have to beat the government. You just have to not lose. And to people that say there's nothing you can do to stop the U.S. government if it really wanted to take you out, I would like to point to Vietnam and Afghanistan where a determined group of people maybe didn't necessarily win. Well, they lost until they won. But that's what happens when you take everything from them, when you bomb their villages, when you rape their women, kill their kids, and tear apart their national identity – be it rice farmers in Vietnam or be it opium farmers in, in Afghanistan, eventually they don't have to win. They just have to not lose because we're not going to nuke them. No, no one makes money in nuclear war. That's kind of the limiting reagent of, of the, the war machine is that no one makes money. You don't, no one wants to rule over an irradiated wasteland There's, you can't because you can't go in and take the oil if everything's laced with cobalt and strontium. So sure, they could, I mean, they could bomb you into the Stone Age, right? I mean, Operation Linebacker, you know, or, or, shock, and, or shock and all, yeah. Uh, shock and all. Yeah, they can go in with fleets of beef. I'm not saying that they can't, you know, level a country, but the idea that that's not what's separating us that's exactly what's because it's very easy to just go, oh, the U.S. Mil-. We got to remember, the U.S. military is are guys just like you and I. The National Guard are guys just like you and I. I don't think they want to be knocking on door to door going, here are people who rightfully believe that they are now at the final straw. Where if they give these guns up, it's over. It's over. It's only a matter of time before you're in camps. There's nothing you can do. And this isn't some theoretical discussion. This is what's happening in Australia right now that's the only thing that's keeping us from that they're doing mandates they're fucking around with stuff and it's it, it's bad now but there is a precipice that it, it can go up to and then it goes over and it's gonna be horrific and i mean i've said it before on this podcast man if that wasn't some 12 dimensional chess looking ahead 250 years and being no, no matter what they need guns just no matter what i mean Bill Belichick and Tom Brady can't see that far ahead, and they're pretty good at reading signs on a field. The founding fathers are, I mean, Christ in heaven. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. It's, right? Tyranny might come in the form of, of civil war. It might come in the form of Nazis. It might come in the for, form of the Red Scare. It might come in the form of Al-Qaeda. Or it might come in the form of the CDC. Man, they looked ahead, and it's... Hey, credit where credit's due. God they damn. Were, they were brilliant. It is. But, you know, and I, I, know I've, I know I've kept you for an hour and 15. Just let me know if you need to go. But uh, you could do like 15 more minutes and then we'll wrap this one up. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd love to do one too on Fuck yeah. um, the reservation work. I, I, I would really love to. I'm, I'm, I've been working on a book called ResDoc because it's like crazy shit happens on a reservation. So that will be a, a fun podcast for another day. I would absolutely love to, man. Um but I do, I do have hope for how things are going right now. I just, I to go back to General Mattis. It's one of his quotes was, um, 
they kind of go hand in hand. One of them is if you have not read hundreds of historical books, you're functionally illiterate. And I, th- I mean, I've taken down probably at least a hundred historical books on Audible since I started this podcast. His other quote is intuition is subconscious pattern recognition, nothing more, nothing less to where you just read something and maybe you don't know, but you just feel it in your gut. Like I've had some of the Marines say like, there'll be times where they were on patrol and they just be like, everyone stop. And it's not until like days later that they go, you know what? I think it's when we saw that kid doing this, that we realized that this is something that always happens right before an ambush. But the mind just says, stop, 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 stop. Even if you can't write subconscious pattern recognition, there's something as someone that's been doing 608, 609 episodes that's, you know, got kicked off YouTube, has had my fingers in the pie and figuring out how all these platforms run. I don't know what it is, but there is some intuition deep in here that's saying that the tide is turning. And the reason why that may sound like an absurd statement is because, well, they're not going to, right? It's that old quote, right? The revolution won't be televised. They're never going to, the people in control of the media and control of censorship aren't going to say there are massive numbers of people defecting from YouTube to Rumble and who hate censorship. They're never going to say that. The Nazi party was putting out orders up until the day Hitler shot him. I mean, the Nero decree, every German fight to the end. And then he shot himself. And then just like that, the Red Army was there and it was over. They're going to censor up until the very last month, until the 11th hour. I mean, literally until fucking Gupta Gupta pops himself on air or something like that. I'm wishing I don't want anyone to be armed. But like that is that's so I can feel this undercurrent and I can't put it into words. And perhaps that's hurting my my argument. Well, what? some of it, some of it, you are seeing because look at what's going on. Look what happened in New York. They just shut down twenty six departments because they won't do, they won't comply with the vaccine mandate. Now, I'm seeing that a lot of this. There's a lot of pushback right now. Yeah. People are saying, "No, we're we're done now. Yeah. We're done." The shock. And Chicago so we'll see. Down. You know, we'll see how far they can push these mandates. But people that were going to get vaccinated already have been. How much more they can coerce? I, I don't think they can actually. Yeah, and it's most right. people are at that limit right now. That Chicago to Maybe that's partially what you're feeling. You know, you're, and there's a lot of other weird things. I mean, look at look at what's going on with the uh, Let's Go Brandon. I mean, <laughs> why, it's going on all over America. Like, what other president have they ever done that to? Like, no one. Yeah. I've, I've never seen stuff like this. But it's all this, all these other little things we're seeing happen. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. It seems like there's a little bit of a turn going right now. You start to... Yeah, you start to, right? It's like you could, I don't know, you're a kid and there's a surprise birthday party. And if you go back in your mind and you start to look at earlier that day, you're like, it is weird that mom brought me out for like errands all day. And I came back and I saw like a piece of wrapping paper and I saw some, bo- right. I thought I saw my dad holding Legos. And, and then all you go, you go, <laughs> oh, it was the surprise party, right? You, I think we're at a point right now where we're going to be looking back and going, that little thing yeah the top five yeah, songs and i it, well just think about it i mean you, you are I, i'm getting that same thing but think about it. even six months ago yes. i didn't feel like this no 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 no, like no. At all. no and there are podcasts there, was, of, there wasn't yeah. there wasn't anything close to the pushback we're seeing now there are podcasts because people's jobs livelihoods and families now are getting threatened yeah yeah i mean there are podcasts six months ago of me very clearly saying i hope it's something's working but no, i don't really feel it but i was just blind i'm just hard-headed i'm like i'm just gonna keep on hoping it works versus now 
yeah, the right top five songs in iTunes, all Let's Go Brandon, all were banned from YouTube for medical misinformation. Right? Yep. Joe Rogan talking about it. Tim Dillon, a, a huge comedian. I love him. He's the most paid guy on Patreon. Him talking about it. I mean, Nicki Minaj, right? Who in their ever right minds would think Nicki Minaj was going to be a point in free speech? No, and look at uh, look at what happened with uh, I'm down in Florida now. DeSantis, you know, suing the Biden administration a couple of times over now for various things, you know, these mandates and so forth. You know, he's basically saying you're going to start mandating places like New York vaccine passports to go into a restaurant, but you don't have to have an ID to vote. Excuse me. Yeah. You know, you you're his answer. Biden's answer was going to be vaccinate. You know, the, the entire population, but you're letting people pour across the southern border that you're not vetting. We don't know. We're not testing them. We don't know what their status is. And you're trying to contain this. Why don't you do your job at the border? Then we'll talk about vaccines. Yeah. No, pe- pe- people, the, you can't, as Tim Dillon, the comedian, so eloquently said, it's like you don't need to have a Ph.D. in political science when you go to the store and chicken nuggets are double the price. Hey, man, <laughs> even the dumb people are getting involved. They're going, hold on. Hold on. Right. You know, I can't buy a Whopper for less than what, you know, it's there is something. And but and you're never going to see it because the entire media system is compromised and on one side. So they're never going to tell you that things are coming apart. Right. It's their job to smooth. You, the, you're never going to see the state run media in China talk about the growing discontent with communism. No, you're not. Yeah, it's it's. You're never going to get a press release from the Fuhrer bunker about how they're th- they think the walls might be closing in. It doesn't happen up until it happens, right? The the flashpoint, right? The the fire doesn't rip across the entire house until you hit that internal temperature where all of a sudden everything combustible goes, right? There's nothing there's nothing leading up to it until it just until it happens, right? You don't start getting taunts from Muhammad Atta. No, you turn on the news and a plane hit the North Tower. There are these flashpoints where things happen. And I'm with you. Six months ago, I didn't feel this. There's No, not at all. There's, not even close. There's just something. People, well, there, was, there was no, as I had said early on when they started, you know, quarantine. Well, first of all, someone who's not sick staying home is not a quarantine. Quarantine is a term that's reserved for someone who's verified sick. Telling someone to stay home because you think you came in contact, that's called a mandated house arrest. Yeah. And I was just amazed early on how people just said, stay home? Oh, okay. Wear a mask? Oh, okay. Roll up your sleep? Oh, okay. I mean, there comes a point where it's like, no, no, yeah. this, this is not okay. Yeah. And when people's jobs got threatened, it was kind of a turning point. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, it's like what you said. But also, we, we've got, well, the other thing I think that we're also feeling, Tommy, mean, we've got that. Now we've got 10 months yeah. to look back on. And if anyone thinks we're in better shape right now, after this first 10 months, you'd have to have your head so far up your ass, you're looking at your esophagus. <laughs> yeah, right? It's that one quote, I'm going to put my hand so far up your ass when you're playing shadow puppets on your tonsils. Yeah, exactly. It's a, but it's, yeah, as Rogan said so eloquently on this Sanjay uh, interview, is, but, you know, Mr. Gupta, do you understand the importance of this, though? If they're willing to go to this this. If they're going to go to these lengths to lie about a comedian taking horse dewormer, what are they telling us about Syria? Well, to me, when everyone's kind of seeing the medical misinformation bullshit now, you know, these songs are getting banned and they're like, really? Let's go, Brandon. This is about medical misinformation. It starts to, there's only one other thing on YouTube that will get you banned because, you know, like Pokemon, got to catch them all. I've, you know, I didn't just get the COVID suspensions. I also got the other big one. And it's talking about widespread election fraud. 
And that's something where you start looking at this and going, if they're lying about all this, what else are they lying about? I don't well, know. I mean, the, well, the Arizona audit was clean? Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of people saw with their eyes an election stop counting in the middle of the night in reverse. And, you know, maybe it's not until you see all the COVID bullshit that you go, oh, they might have been lying about that. And I think the fuck Joe Biden chance, man, to me, that's a bigger barometer than anything. People have had it. It's, and that's part of what we're feeling. You just like, got to believe it. You, I mean, it's unprecedented. I've never seen anything like this uh, against the president ever. I mean, CNN yesterday covering Biden's approval ratings, just outwardly talking about how bad they are. I don't know, man. There's, I don't know. I mean, I think we're at this, I think we're at these cross, this crossroads and like we, we are either going to take the fork in the road towards like American destiny or we are going to march lockstep into dystopian tyranny. Yeah. To a thousand years of darkness if yeah. we don't turn it around. I think that's, I think that's what the next couple of years are is we are seeing this whole, you get in the time machine and you go back a million years and it's like, don't step on that butterfly <laughs> or, you know, this is going to directly result in like JFK getting killed. I feel like that's kind of where we are right now. And I always say that as small as my podcast is, every little thing like this where I'm interviewing you and, you know, my cousins and my parents are going to watch this and maybe it gets shared on Reddit somewhere. Every little tiny thing you do. I love the analogy that Howard Bloom uses. He's a guy I've had on this podcast several times who's been on Joe Rogan. He was Michael Jackson's publicist, but he's also like a brilliant scientist. And he talks about like the point of supersaturation in fluid where like you can add salt to like whatever, like ethylene glycol or something and it just dissolves and you know disappears and you drop it in and it just disappears it's almost like it's going into a portal somewhere else but once you hit like a certain molar mass all of a sudden it turns into this visible structure that takes up like the whole beaker and all it took was that one last little and then boom, the whole thing right. happened i can't help but feel that's why I don't feel powerless is as small as this podcast is, is I'm like, how many other tiny podcasts are out there just pushing along? And is it happening in a million other places where it's just another drop of salt, another drop of salt. And it's just, we're starting to see kind of the periphery of it, right? The F Joe Biden chance, the iTunes list, the what's talking about on Rogan. Like if these things are starting to break through the veil of total media control, well, you know, the water that comes over the top of the dam, even if it's just a couple of drops, that implies something much, much bigger when the whole, yeah. well, I know this dam is 500 feet tall. Oh, shit. This isn't an inch of water. This is 500 feet, one inches of water. That's what I feel is coming. And it just, who knows? Maybe I'm just being optimistic. Maybe my mind is, you know, like your mind dissociating and like, you know, after a shark breaks your or bites your leg off, maybe my mind is just like, no, we're heading straight towards like Nazi tyranny. So I'm just going to give you the illusion that everything's okay, which if case shout out brain, thanks for that defense mechanism. But I don't think it, there's just little things that on their own don't really stand for anything, but it no, just like feels the South, yeah. like, and then again, the Southwest employees pushing yeah. back. They, it's, it's all these people pushing back. That's, that's yeah. This was kind of a turning point. You know, there are these other things going on, but I, the real turning point was when people 
families, jobs, and way of life got threatened here yeah. through these mandates. Yeah, and that was. I mean, so- if they all caved, then I agree with you. Then that's a different. That's a different, you know, conversation for a different day. Man, I just hope people hold the line. Yeah, it's that's and that's a huge thing. Is every totalitarian dictatorship is always known. You can't let the people know that there are numbers. You have to make them think it, they're alone. It's just you, right? That's yeah, they're the, counting on it. Yes. They're counting on it. And, but th- they're not being able to do – and I think media, although you know, the internet and interconnectivity, although that's also been their weapon, their ability to censor, it's also not helping when it's like, well, you know, these other platforms are seeing videos and, you know, they're like, well, if there's just hardcore winds and every flight in Florida is like delayed and canceled. And it's like, but it's only Southwest. All the other airlines are flying and people are going, is this about weather or is this a whole bunch of, but I think it happened again with the second company. Yes. I don't remember which was it United, but it happened again where a different airline company just in the news, I saw a shut down a thousand flights in like one state because of, of severe winds. And I looked it up, but like Delta was still flying and like uh, Air, like Emirates was still flying. And I was like, what's well, it's so the whole thing that could be their final downfall is we're seeing that other people are fighting back. And when you see other people doing it and all of a sudden you don't have to be that lone kind of fighter, you draw energy from that when it's not. If it's just you in a stadium going defense, you, know, you feel like an idiot. Right. But when, when it's two hundred thousand people screaming and the rafters are shaking, it starts to take on an almost like supernatural power. I think that's what's happening now is we're hitting that super saturation point. And I think that they really fucked up. And I'll wrap it up on this note. I think they really fucked up in two cases: one, threatening people's jobs, and two, they just doubled down and one stupidity squared. Now they're going to mandate it for people's kids. I mean, the people who weren't involved, you have now roped in the, and dare I be, dare I be gendering or going whatever the fuck people are going to scream at me now. But dare I say the dad's ability to win the bread and the mama bear looking after the kids. And I know in 2021 that that makes me a Nazi for assuming the dad's the breadwinner, but go fuck yourself. You're taking away people who weren't going to be involved. Like you said, you know, it took you till they threatened your job to wake up. You know what? I'll take the win. I'll take whatever it took to get them in the fight. I'll take it. You know, these guys now you can't go to work. And now these people are going, wait, you want to inject my kid with this? And there's a chance. You bring up a great point because the mothers, I've had mothers get a hold of me for a mask exemption, a school or some organization. Anybody tries to get in between a mother and a kid. Good luck, man. Yeah. Godspeed. Good luck. Um, yeah, I mean, no, but seriously, like, man, you, you get in the way. Of mo- I mean, Jesus, God in heaven, you better have an Abrams tank. No, they'll go to the grave. The mother will go to the wall. For, like, for the abs- kid. Yeah, really. Second Amendment or not, Second Amendment or a butter Anything. knife. Anything. They'll, they'll go to the wall for the kid. They'll fucking rip your face clean off your body. <laughs> like, you know. No doubt. I would rather try to seize people's guns going door to door than have to go into some house and go, hey, I'm taking your kids. There is a... There is a supernatural, like spiritual mystic bond between like the offspring that grew out of a mother who she carried for. There's something that I mean, I don't even, you know, I've, you know, I'm 31 now. You know, a lot of girls I knew in college, they have kids now. And a lot of them have all said they're like, it's the most psychedelic thing. Like the second I found out I was pregnant, they're like, my mind just shifted. And all of a sudden it was like, I will die for this thing if I have to. And I was like. None of my guy friends who have kids, they're all like, yeah, I love my kids, but I didn't have that. Like mama bears are like, no, there is, 
like this is the red line. No, it is. I, I agree with you there. You know, you piss off the Patriots with guns. It's one thing. You piss <laughs> off the mothers and you're kind of trying to turn over three and Shane or kids, man. Best of luck to you. It's worse. It's a worse scenario. Yeah, Godspeed, man. I'll go try to seize all those weapons in rural Georgia before I try to get in between a mob. <laughs> I will go into the town with a Confederate flag and say, hey, I'm here to take your guns before I will go into some fucking house and go give me your kids. I mean, and, well, give me your kid and roll up the sleeve and let me inject them. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck. Godspeed. Godspeed, guys. I mean, Jesus, you know, you might have to have the Second Amendment come, people come, like, take you away from the mother, like, hey, man, you know, she's going to kill you. Like, we're good. I know we have guns, but she's going to eat you. But, um, man, I'll send you a text. Let's do definitely set up that uh, that reservation episode. And uh, I think you got a good feel of what this podcast is. You just it's great. Yeah, I want to do more. Too. We should fuck do yeah, more man. Functional medicine, too, man. Oh, absolutely. No, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. Indian reservation, functional medicine. Man, I'd love to. I'm going to. I am a I'm a succubus. I find an interesting person and I just extract everything I can out of them as a podcast. So this is it's been and this must have been amazing doing this anyway. You must have the amount you must have learned for six hundred some episodes of the, the people you're talking about has got to be unbelievable, man. Dude, the shit I've the shit I've not it's so just cool. Yeah. Not just not just preparing because of like audiobooks that I listen for authors. Yeah, just the amount of everyday little things. And it's what Rogan said. He said the single greatest thing he was like even above the nine figure paycheck or whatever because he's like the the crash course in like a hundred master master's degrees of god it's unbelievable dude the amount dude, i did the education you've got 600 episodes it's like crazy what you've learned i mean it's got to be unbelievable oh dude and, uh, there was a guy I interviewed like last fall and he had like a laser cleaning company and they cleaned industrial printers using like femto lasers the amount it's I got like, to learn. It's from, like, what the hell is it? You know, you don't even know what it is. Yeah, but it's awesome because I got to learn about that. And he was talking about, he's like, yeah, no, he's like the, you know, the printers they use to put that artwork on beer bottles. He's like, these have to be cleaned every day. And we go in there with these like NASA lasers and ablate them at the temperature of the sun. And I'm just wow, like, man. I'm like, that's so fucking cool. And it's just little tiny things like that. Like, yeah, man. I mean, I had a guy on here who he went through it, the history of vacuum tubes. Just taught me about vacuum tubes unreal. from like the early 1900s. Yeah, I had no idea. I've learned more in two years on this podcast than I did through 12 years of private schooling and four years at the University of Georgia. Fuck yeah, man. I've, we've got a lot more ahead of us. I, I can't wait to do it. Thank you so much for coming on here, man. It was a total pleasure. And I'm glad that we kind of synced up on that. No, no, no. Someone's got to talk about the guys behind this. This is. Yeah. It needed to be said. You know what? I've not. All the podcasts I listen, I listen to you know many. I, I try to take it all in, but this is one I've not heard yet. And I, you know, I'm maybe putting. I'm sure you're putting your neck out. I'm probably putting mine out. But you know what needs to be needed to be said. I don't give a shit, man. I've I've, I've made needed to be said. I you know I think I was. Uh, I think that's one of the blessings of losing a brother to suicide is I had to. Uh, I had to come to peace with my own uh, mortality at 23, realizing that this all ends. And that has, that has made me truly not give a shit to where I'm like, you know, when I'm interviewing the guy that made the COVID vaccine and I'm interviewing CIA agents talking about election interference and I'm interviewing the author on the Epstein book and I'm in touch with Epstein's coroner. Wow. I'm not like, I'm not oblivious to the fact that like there might just be a carbon monoxide leak in this apartment one day. <laughs> like I'm not oblivious to that, but I'm also at peace with it, man. Like, Cause it ends. Whether it I is. like your story. I like your story about the people. Uh, you, you interview them alone. And they're like, 
what would he know about it? Holy, the people are so, they've got their heads so far in the sand. What would he know about it? He invented it. No one gives a shit. I mean, and some people, the head is so far in the sand where it's, yeah, you know, you bring on, well, you know, what would Malone know about it? He interviewed it. What would McCullough know about it? He's the most published cardiologist. What would that guy know about it? Well, he's the head of the Soviet bioweapon program. He's talking about bioweapon gain of function. Well, that was the Soviet one. Okay, well, here's Hatfield from the U.S. anthrax wow, program. Well, well, here's, I mean, I've had on three experts on anthrax alone, you know? What would you know about China? Well, here's a brigadier general that was in Obama's National Security Council. I mean, here's Gordon Chang who wrote the, you know, the collapse of China. What do you know about, I'm like, you know what? If, if I, fuck it. You know what? Fuck it. What what do I know? If you want your head in the sand, it's going to be in the sand. It's amazing if you've had all these guests. It's, it's, it's two years, man. That's unbelievable. Dude, go through the library. If I may pat myself on the back, go through the library. I mean, Charlie I'm Duke. Going. I'm, Charlie I'm Duke. Going. Tenth man to walk on the moon. One of four men wow. alive. He's wow, been on this man. podcast three times. That's crazy. He's been on Rogan Zero. I'm sitting at 400 subscribers on Rumble. I'm losing my fucking mind. Like, I don't like, you know what, if this isn't interesting and then, you know what, we get what we fucking deserve. Maybe I should be talking about, I don't know, the Grammys. I don't, I'll blow my own fucking brains out if I have to do that. But, uh, <laughs> please do go through the library, man. Thank you for coming on here. And uh, let's not let too much time pass. Let's let's do Let's let's do another one, because I think those could be two really cool episodes if we just kind of focused on, uh, like, you know, functional aging and as well as well, not fun- whatever the correct term is functional. What is it? Yeah, functional medicine. Functional but no, medicine. it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, learning that you were a bio major, that you were going to med school, man, it's, there's a lot more in common than I would have than I thought. It's it's pretty cool. And the, uh, obviously, you've been into that kind of medicine for a very long time. It's so. to me, it's fascinating the idea that you could just kind of keep keep kicking the can down the road, like just live a little longer, just live a yeah. little longer. I think it's, it's fascinating. Amazing. And um, that, and I think I had never thought about yeah Indian reservation. That's got to be some like Reno nine one one shit. Like you probably it was. Some... I mean, went from Chicago to there, man. It was culture shock. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was doing sweat lodges, medicine lodge, and had an Indian naming ceremony for me, the whole thing. I mean, it was, it was awesome. really something. That was awesome. That is awesome, man. And it was. One of the guys I have on, well, I know I keep saying we'll wrap this up, but we will wrap it up. One of the guys I have on here all the time, Del Comstock, Delta Force, CIA commando. I mean, really James Bond shit, like personal bodyguard for a billionaire in Hong Kong. I mean, this guy is Jason Bourne, but like, he just last week or two weeks ago, he was out doing security in San Francisco because for under $900 or under $1,000, they won't prosecute, right? They say it's not robbery. I don't know if it's you're about it. what's going on out there. Well, that, well, the cops won't respond to a call. And so now you have department stores like Target or Walmart. And now the own, these private companies are like, my employees are now at risk. So one of them oh just went, God. one of them just went full big dick energy and hired Dale. So they've got some former wow. Delta Force guy out there protecting them. And these looters, man, it's going to be like some John Wick shit. They have no idea. Like Dale is not a rent-a-cop. Dale is the guy that you send when you need some other world leader dead. And uh, Oh, my God. But there's he's going to be – Dale's come, Dale's been on here like 50 times. Dale's going to be coming on talking about his San Francisco Chronicles. So, yeah, man. So I'm gonna go, I'll go back to some other episodes and check him out, too. That's going to be fun. Dale Comstock, dude. It's go, – go find any of the episodes with Comstock, and it's absolutely – Dale's been in out at Area 51 doing security and shit. He's worked with the NSA, nuclear facility Crazy security. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Dale's done shit that I, I don't think even I know what Dale's done. It's truly black ops. Um, but, yeah, man, I'd love to have you back on. Please, I'll send you – 
the Spotify link should be up within like an hour, and then all the other ones, Rumble, BitChute, all, all all the video links, those would be up in. Yeah, so if you put them on. If you can send them to my email, that'd be great because then I can also put them out to all the folks I know as well. Please do. That's what I was going to get to. Is um, this, absolutely um, this podcast has become like guerrilla radio. I cannot get any sort of mainstream traction, so I'm just focusing. No, on Tommy, because I've got, I've got, you know, I've got about um, with I, I I practice like in all states now, but I'm, I'm licensed in eight, but I've got about ten thousand patients, so I can just. Fuck yeah. Put it out there. Just spam them. Just be like, fuck yeah. Put it out there. Here it is. Watch this shit or watch someone on the moon. Yeah. Dr. Michael Upuse. Thank you so much for coming on, man. This was a fucking blast. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It was great. All right, buddy. Have a great day. Take care. Peace. God bless everyone. Stay safe. God bless America. Recordings.